Hello, and welcome to Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hello, welcome to Dice Don't Die's Deep Dive. Today we are here to discuss rituals. So grab some friends, your fanciest dagger, a bundle of sage, and some old bones. If you're running short on time or just couldn't dig up any, remember, store-bought bones will do just fine. Anyway, I'm David, and today I'm here with Beth. Hello! And Sarah. Hi! Chad's off doing some other stuff, but uh, I'm filling in. So, before we start drawing circles in the forest, we got a few other things that we want to talk about. <laughs> okay. The most goblin cackle. <laughs> uh, I am so excited. So, I have a confession to make. I started a- another game. Beth. <laughs> so, now I have... This is an intervention. <laughs> now I have... Uh, one, two, three, four, four. It's kind of insane. (laughs) But we started Strength of Thousands. And then as you guys know, we all are taking a break from Age of Ashes with the intention of going back to it. But I needed a mental break because I was not a huge fan of book two. So we are doing Ruby Phoenix right now. So since I had read those now, up to book two on Strength of Thousands, I thought I would kind of break down a couple of my thoughts. So starting with Ruby Phoenix, uh, which you guys have all created characters, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, And we really have only done one session. So there's not a lot to report from that standpoint. But having read the first module kind of as an overview and take notes and stuff. I would approach it much like you would a dungeon crawl with more strategy because you do kind of know in some cases like what's coming so you can strategize for it. It is, if, if you do miniature gaming at your table or if you do grid combat, this is going to be fantastic for you. It is about positioning. It is about the fights. It's the tournament of the Ruby Phoenix. It might also be very closely based on Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah! Found that out! (laughs) I forgot about that till you just now. It was so weird. Yeah. So if anybody's watched Yu-Gi-Oh, it's basically like the same premise so like without spoiling too much you're going to this fighting tournament but you show up on an island you take a boat and show up on an island um and then you go around hold on and you fight other context the first book is titled danger island danger island and this is the first book of ruby phoenix no i'm sorry continue and then you fight you you go around and you fight other groups and you can choose which terrain you want to fight in. So far we're not sure if that gives you terrain bonuses like I assume if you have rangers in your party that's they'll they'll do that thing automatically. 
But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, you also have to collect feathers. And then to move on to the next round, you have to have a certain number of feathers. So it's Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great. It's really great. Nasty. I, I hadn't seen uh, that part of Yu-Gi-Oh, but it, it made me think of the Hunter exam, Hunter x Hunter. Mm. Same, same type of deal. Yeah, yeah. David, you should watch the first part of Yu-Gi-Oh. You need to just watch like the first 10 episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay. The only thing I've seen of Yu-Gi-Oh is like random card battles. So I know what a blue eyes white dragon is, but that's about it. That's about it. They attack your life points directly. Yeah, it's on Netflix. So just go watch like the first 10-15 episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, and you guys will know the first the the plot of the first book of Ruby Phoenix. All right, Beth, we're done. It, it it's not a one for one, <laughs> but yes, no, that's it's up. not quite. It's so like the moment that like you started talking about, I was like, oh yeah, it totally is. <laughs> right, yeah. But anyway, I'm giving it eight out of ten so far. We are in book one. Uh, eight out of ten Beth points. Then you have the opposite which is Strength of Thousands. So Strength of Thousands is the first book in... What is the actual name? Oh, no. Strength of Thousands is the title of the adventure path. The first book is Kindled Magic. Sorry about that. But anyway, so the entire AP happens at a magic school where you go from being fledgling students all the way up to you're now a teacher. It's just so interesting. It's pretty much the exact opposite of Ruby Phoenix. So where Ruby Phoenix, I would say, is really for those who love combat in Pathfinder, who really want to get into the nitty-gritty of combat, uh, a.k.a. me. Hands down, I've always wanted to play like a dungeon crawl where we are all strategy all the time. A lot of people find that boring. They prefer the role-playing stuff. That's perfectly fine. I really like the combat. This is the exact opposite. This is trying to solve all your problems without combat. We've had two sessions now, and we haven't gotten into a fight yet. Wow. They had to take their entrance exams. We have to help a bunch of people. It's, it's just, it's fantastic. It's so much fun. You had to study. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had to make your bed. <laughs> you do get to pick out a room. Like you get assigned like your dorm room. Pretty great. Do you get do you get roommates? Uh-uh. Well, so not roommates. You get a room to yourself, uh, but you have dorm mates. Mm. Uh, a lot of NPCs. I will say if I have one criticism, it's a lot of NPCs. And there's there's some not getting around that. But I wish there was like a primer for the at the PCs. I, I'm thinking about making it because I want them to be able to get to know each character. And like some of them are really memorable, but with so many NPCs, it can just be a lot. So if if you're not for remembering names, this is not the AP for you. Lots of note taking for that one, I would say, too. <laughs> Lots of puzzles. Everything but combat. So instead of preparing for fights, uh, be prepared to try to get out of fights. Uh, I'm giving that one, uh, so far, 
uh, I'm halfway through book two. Uh, I am giving that nine out of ten Beth points. Additionally, if you do want like more in-depth reviews of each AP book as they come out, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram and let me know. I haven't really wanted to do it because we go, I don't, I'm very slow. <laughs> I'm a slow GM. Uh, so we have a tendency to, to go really, really slow. So it may be a couple of years before I actually like GM it. Uh, but for all the ones that I have, jammed i could kind of tell you how things went from my perspective anyway that's it i just wanted to talk about the two new ap's i guess that leads us into rituals i think it does let me see here so rituals are something we're all kind of at least somewhat familiar with due to sort of the different universes that we read about that are part of the fiction we consume as a culture. Like, we kind of have an idea in our mind of what a ritual is anyway. But to actually have some formal rules around it is pretty nice. And for this to have rolled out all the way back day one was kind of cool. But I'll be honest, uh, how many years have we been playing this game now? Four, I think. I've never used a ritual before. Nah, spending a week to cast a spell is it's a hard sell. Yeah, that is. Un- unless somebody died and you, and you have the resurrect ritual. That's about it. Yeah, but honestly you would still, like, you would have to have already had the ritual. Right. We're, we're yeah. going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. But I play an artificer in my D&D game and rituals in there take like 10 minutes. And like, given you, you have to be a spellcaster still i'm pretty sure but like they take 10 minutes to do so like it's le- it's more convenient to do them not during battle but like yeah it's not you know takes you a significant amount of do- downtime right so rituals can some you'll see in hours but most of the time you're going to see it measured in days so yeah Definitely not something that you're doing while out in dangerous areas. I hadn't ever really looked into rituals. I hadn't done rituals until last night. And last night, which was my second session of Strength of Thousands, it was actually a part of the AP was to cast this ritual. And I had to go look up ritual rules. Huh. I didn't know them, uh, which was kind of funny to me. So I thought I would share this experience with you. And um, we could talk about rituals together. The ritual they performed, by the way, was uh, creating goblin bells. So little cold iron bells that ward away, uh, not goblins, gremlins. Yeah, I was like, wow, it seems real bad if you've got a goblin in your party. I don't actually have a goblin wow i can't believe your other players are so unrefined uncultured i have a kobold a lizard folk a anadi and a half elf all right you almost had a whole good party but we're here now i guess (laughs) (laughs) anyway so what is a ritual obviously it is a spell or spell-like effect that takes time 
And a lot of times it takes the proper skill to do this. However, unlike your artificer, you don't have to be a spellcaster to perform a ritual. You just have to know the ritual, which is honestly kind of cool. <laughs> like the fact that there are nature rituals, there are occult rituals, there are conjuration or religious uh, rituals. It's so neat to me to kind of take that caster level part of it. It's still magic, but it's done differently. So you don't have to be a spell caster. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're a caster yeah. of rituals, not of spells. Right. And I yeah. think that that's also a neat part of the world because like, you know, it seems unintuitive to have, you know, just a, you know, most of or, you know, a large por portion of the population has magic and can wield magic. And like, you could use magic items, but like, for everybody else, it's just off limits. Mm -hmm. Can't do it. But you can be like, no, like, I can do some magic too. It just takes me a lot longer. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not completely gone, but the, the bar, the threshold for entry is higher. Mm -hmm. So when you start your ritual, you will have a primary caster and then a set number of secondary casters. So it'll say, you know, two secondary casters, you know, two to four secondary casters, whatever. And that's how many people can participate. The primary caster, whatever check is required, the primary check they're the ones who have to roll it. The secondary casters are going to have different skill checks than the primary caster. And when they make those skill checks, it actually acts as an aid to the primary caster. That's neat. It is. Uh, I really, really like it. But if you crit fail, your primary caster can no longer crit succeed. It like automatically knocks everything down a notch. Uh-oh. So it's one of those things like, yeah, it's really nice to have secondary casters because you get a plus two on your check, but if they fail, you fail. Yikes. Too, yeah. too, too many people in, in, in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Stay, too, too many stay cooks. Out, stay out while I'm doing my ritual. <laughs> exactly. So DC's are always set at very hard. So in order to cast it, you have to be twice the spell's level. So the DC is set at the ritual spell level. Or excuse me, for twice the ritual spell level. And it's very hard, right? So it automatically is going to up your DC. And because rituals are usually downtime activities, you can't use fortune effects. So no hero pointing that ritual. Ooh. Yep. Uh, do you, it's just one roll? You don't have like a, a number uh -uh. of rolls? Nope. Yeah, it, it can be rough to fail that check. Especially because it can be pretty expensive too. Because there's always going to be not only a gold cost, but reagents that you have to have. Like I mentioned before, all rituals are uncommon. 
So what that means is you can't start the game with a ritual, right? You can't buy the knowledge from a ritual from any store, which means you have to have GM permission to even get it. So if there's a high chance of failure, it's really hard to get them. You have to have multiple people. Why even bother? That's a good question. Are you about to tell us? No wonder nobody's doing these. So, no, I'm... I know it sounds like one of those things, like, let me tell you! But no, there's not really an answer. And I think that's part of the reason why we haven't seen them in a lot of games. But I do think that's a mistake. One, because the rituals are fantastic. We're going to be talking about a couple of them here in a bit. And they're so good. Like, just genuinely, they're really good. But also, they add a lot of context to the world or depth to the world. I don't know. It also gets around some annoying thing, right? When you die and you don't want to rebuild your character, there's the ritual you could perform to get your friend back. Now, what happens when you crit fail that? Oh, buddy. It ain't your friend coming back. But I I just, I, I love it. Anyway, one of the other things that I saw for rituals is that I can adjust the DC. If you have, if you have a narrative reason to be performing that ritual. So it's like the full moon as you, you know, are summoning something, right? Or this happens to be the convergence of 12 ley lines or whatever. Whatever funky scenario is going on, I can lower that DC because of it, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Somebody bought the GM pizza. (laughs) I was going to say, I would just make up the most, like, batshit reasons to be like, Listen, today is my third cousin's husband's aunt's birthday, and she once winked at me on the way out of a tavern, so this is obviously the correct time to try to speak with her from beyond the veil. <laughs> I would never allow that, but I kind of Are love you serious? It. <laughs> oh my gosh. Come on. I don't know, probably, because it's really fun. Like, I would just come up with the most ridiculous things. You really do. Ask what side of the bed they got out of this morning. And whatever they say, you say, correct. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Anyway, so when you have a ritual, you have your primary caster. There will be, like I said, some number of secondary casters. And then a cast time. So usually measured in days, but some can be... Uh, hours. Uh, then you'll have your cost, right? So whatever special reagents plus a uh, set gold level. But then you will also have like a range, a target, and heightened effects as well. Just like spells, rituals can also uh, heighten depending on your character level. So for a lot of them, like I said, whatever your primary check is it's going to be nature but it also might have 
a skill level, a proficiency level. So if we're looking at, say, demonic pact, the primary check is religion. But I also have to be an expert and I have to have an ancestry with that trait, which is kind of interesting. So you, you gotta you gotta know a guy who knows a demon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but the the main thing that I wanted to stress there was I had to make a religion check, but I needed to be an expert in religion. So you're not like walking around at level one casting a bunch of rituals. Correct. Yeah, you have to kind of know what you're doing. But here's the thing: I could have somebody else cast it for me. That's where you get into real trouble, right? Potentially. So let's talk about some of the rituals, right? We talked about how they work. Let's talk about some specific ones because there's some really ger- good ones. Gert, the real Gert. <laughs> so my favorite of the level ones are obviously the packs, where you can make like an abyssal pack, an infernal pack, a demonic pact, which is really great. Essentially, you make a religion check and summon a devil. And uh, obviously, we need to talk about Resurrect. Because that's the one I feel like should could get the most use. And like the one that I think might be worth the party like going and finding a priest to teach them this. But it's a level 5 ritual. Like You're not going to be able to cast this until level 10. But also, you can't target a creature that's greater than level 10. Correct. So if your friend dies at level 11, they gotta make a new character. Well, yes, uh, up until uh, you can heighten it. Once you get access to six level spells, then you uh-huh. can heighten it. So, like, yes, there I- level 11 is, like, that would be the time where it's like, eh, this is kind of awkward. I can't do that until I level up to 12. Um, <laughs> like, that's kind of weird. Uh, sorry, your death is just kind of awkward for the rest <laughs> of us. So just, if, you yeah, if you could have not, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do love the critical failure for Resurrect. Something goes horribly wrong. An evil spirit possesses the body. The body transforms into a special kind of undead or some fate wor- uh some worse fate befalls the target. It's like, hey, hey, now's the time to uh mess with your po- your party. I would love to be a GM and like the party gets a crit fail and you just go, everything seems to have worked out. And they're like, what? What? And you're like, yeah, everything's fine. It seems like they're in there. Oh, yeah. And that's something you're sitting on for a while, too. (laughs) Yeah, and so, like, everything just seems normal, and then at the most inopportune time, it turns out that it's been someone impersonating them the whole time. Yep. And then you just TPK the party. Anyway. Love this. That is such a fantastic idea. Because, like, the party obviously knows that they, like, crit failed, right? Like, it's not, it's not mm-hmm. gonna be, you know, subtle. Nope. But then the, oh. they'll just constantly be on edge. 
That would be some of the best mind games I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's... I love that. Like, like one member of the party is always perpetually tired because you keep setting a watch to, like, watch them while they're sleeping, but they just keep sleeping. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not doing anything. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is such a good idea. I freaking love it. All right. I was going to say that we're about to talk about my favorite, but I think crit failing a resurrect is the best. (laughs) But no, there's another really good one. It's called Awaken Animal. And it takes a a primary caster and three secondary casters. And you have to be a master of nature. But you can turn an animal into a beast. So, I mean, the they would have an intelligence score, you know, higher than instinct. That seems like you're playing with fire. This is so cool. I mean, like I said, like, it it takes four people to do, and it's really hard, because it's a level six ritual, so you couldn't even cast it until you were 12th level. Yeah. Oh, man, I just freaking love it, though. And there's actually one of these awakened animals in... Extinction Curse, which is just so awesome. So you actually, if you play that one, you get to meet one. He's a sassy dog. Ooh. <laughs> I, I love that guy. He's all like, I ain't gonna do tricks for you. See, I just think that, like, maybe I would just be a terrible, terrible GM because I would just terrorize my players all the time. But imagine, like, because you know how parties get when they like latch on to an idea and they're just obsessed with it and they just mm-hmm. like won't let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, like Sherlock gnomes. And, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm just imagining that like you found an animal and everybody is really, really, really into awakening it. And then you wake it up and the GM just plays it as the most annoying character you've ever seen. Like, listen, I'm going to make you sorry that you awakened this creature. Like, you you got a crit success, yeah. But, like, man, is this thing the most annoying little sibling you've ever heard? It's got a three-year-old just, why? Why? <laughs> why? 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 Why are you doing that? Why? Hey. 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 That's what I would do. Turns out it's voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, God. oh no. <laughs> I hate that. Hate that. Absolutely. Ugh. All right. Well, now that's my least favorite one. <laughs> We've done it, David. <laughs> oh, did you want to talk about the, the crit failure condition on this one? On the awakened animal? Yeah. Uh, it was, you accidentally awaken the target with a pure bestial hatred towards you. So your best friend in the world, your dog, now hates your freaking guts. Just wants them to be outside of your body. And they're dumb as shit. Because <laughs> their intelligence score would be 8 instead of 10. Become worse right. than they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that is the worst. Uh, that's pretty much the worst. I would, I would hate that. 
Although, in honesty, like, I'm trying to sit here and thinking, would I want to awaken my cat or dog? I really don't think so. No. Like, I don't want to deal with that. My hey. my dog is an idiot. Hey, 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 hey. I hate it. <laughs> He's already like that. He's a doggy toddler. Ugh. All right, anyway. I do not get the appeal of that spell now. I was going to say it was going to be my favorite. Thanks, Sarah. You're welcome. Happy to help. <sighs> but now you have a new favorite. That is true. Resurrect is great. Uh, again, a crit failure on a Resurrect is so good. Yeah. Uh, anyway. To circle back to like the packs, so like Abyssal Pact, it's sort of the same thing on a crit failure. Where the the demon or demons that you've attempted to summon are just like really mad that you interrupted their nap and they immediately attack you. Yeah, wouldn't that just freaking stink? That would be the worst. I have summoned you to take down my enemies. Ah, why are you eating my face? Yeah, Steve, we're not going to do that. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, all of the crit failures on these are so good. And it just has got to stink. that, Like, if you've worked on a ritual for all week, right? Like, you did your entire downtime activity, your buddy's downtime activity, and his buddy's downtime activity, right? Like, three people focusing all of their efforts into this one thing, and then you crit fail. You crit failed it. Oh, that's got to hurt. It's got to hurt. All right, so I want to talk about the worst one. There's a ninth level ritual called clone. Comma, attack of the... Nope, nope, just clone. Uh, It requires legendary crafting as the primary check. You have to have three secondary casters uh, to make arcana, occultism, or medicine checks. You remove one cubic inch of flesh from the target. As you do. I feel like that just is, you know, like body matter. Because I'm trying to think of like, if Mm -hmm. it means flesh, like skin, like how are you going to get like one cubic inch of that out of someone? I I just imagine like, because you have performed a ritual of this. You have a flesh cookie cutter. Ooh. I'd like to stop thinking about this. I made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I had not thought of that until you said that. Oh god, that is the stuff of nightmares. Alright, alright. I'm I'm sorry. Anyway, so clone. It takes a week, right? So you've you've Cut off a inch of this person. They have to be laying there next to their flesh for a week while you perform this ritual. Uh, but you duplicate their body. Yeah, this is like a real a real Project Phoenix situation. Now, I will say, it doesn't have a soul. Yet. But essentially, if you die, your soul would then go into your clone. Project Phoenix. If you didn't put, you know, another soul in there for some reason. 
Just an empty soul vessel made out of your flesh cube. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But this is this is essentially meant, meant to be the max level resurrect. Right, because you can do Although, this on a creature up to level 20. No, it has to be a living creature. So can't e- it, it, it can't even be resurrect. They have to be alive. Right, but you would... I, I feel like this is one of those situations that you would make just beforehand if you really thought that the only way to go into a dungeon is that one of you was going to die. And you just keep your clones in, like, test tubes in your basement? <laughs> yeah, or, like, the basement of your garage. I hate this. I hate this so much. Okay. Like, like Every- what, if, what if you, what if the easiest way to get what you want is to go make a pact with some creature that requires a human sacrifice or a humanoid sacrifice? And so you're like, I guess the easiest way to do this is to just make a flesh clone. And then when I die because I've sacrificed myself <laughs> for the ritual, then I'll just put my soul in the new flesh prison that I created in the basement. <laughs> I hate this so much. You know what? I think my new favorite is control weather. (laughs) (laughs) It's simple. It's easy. You have one caster, one secondary caster. You just got to be a master of nature. You just summon the rain. Human components that Sarah can make me feel gross about. Yes. Wait, why is control weather an eighth level? I don't know, but I think it's hilarious. You're, you're summoning <laughs> demons with level one, but <laughs> yeah, but making it rain is super hard. Listen, you can summon a demon, but you can't mess up the ecosystem. Okay, look, our world is already effed. We don't need global climate crisis right now. Let another planet deal with that. Yeah. Cries an earthling. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Con- control weather being 8th level is kind of dumb. But it is a really simple ritual. Just takes a day. And there's no weird stuff on it. What's the crit fail on that? Just nothing happens? Or the opposite type of weather that you want it happens? It says the weather changes in an unanticipated way. Contrary to your true desires. Uh, so, like, so the opposite. I want it to stop raining because it's flooding. Oh, well, the f- floods just doubled. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we, we want some rain because there's a drought. And you're like, well, double drought. Everything's a desert now. A small meteor hurtles into your fields. <laughs> <laughs> destroys everything. You, you wanted rain, but instead it rains one inch flesh cubes. I thought you were going to finish that in a biblical way like instead of rain you get frogs no (laughs) instead of rain you get nightmares (laughs) oh my god I hate it so much you get emotional trauma (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this episode is done. <laughs> Print done. Oh goodness. Uh-oh. Well, that's rituals. I hate all of them. We're never gonna do them in a game ever again. I never want to talk about them again. 
Hey guys, if you have any ideas about other rituals that could involve flesh cubes, please tweet at us. <laughs> no. <laughs> please do not. Please, please do. Please don't. I'll cry. Uh, and and now now we end the segment of the program where we ruin all of Beth's dreams. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's one hundred percent. Tomorrow I'm gonna be texting you y'all at like four a.m. Why? Yup. Uh, I hate it. Uh, at the end of this episode, I did want to kind of talk about a little bit more serious of a topic. Uh, it is convention season. There are lots of conventions that are going on, and I just really want you all to be safe out there. Do what's right for you and your situation, but just be careful. On that note, I would say Chad, but I guess today we have to say David. David. Take us out. All right. Of the episode or literally either one will work. Yep, that that sentiment exactly. <laughs> so, are you ready to run off into the woods with no intention of returning? Huh? Maybe awaken your cat for some company? Go for it. I believe in you. But before you do, feel free to check us out on any of our social media. We're out for the night, but we'll talk to you again soon. And remember, dice don't die. But GM brains melt. Thanks for listening to Dice Don't Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dice Don't Die. Or email us at dicedontdiepod at gmail.com. The intro and outro song, Crunk Night, were created by Kevin McLeod. More of his work, and the work of many others, can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.